0: Today we're going to be looking at Exodus chapters 28 through 31. Now I'm not going to read all of those chapters in their entirety. If you want to read up on all of that then you're welcome to do so uh, on your own. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to share with you a few things that I kind of think are maybe interesting or important from these chapters that really kind of show us what these chapters are about. Now last week what we looked at is I guess you would say the place of God's presence, setting up the place of God's presence in the sense of the tabernacle. The tabernacle is going to be the like physical dwelling place of God. If you can even say that God can dwell physically here on this earth, you know, that's kind of what the tabernacle was. Now, today we're going to be looking not so much at a physical location, but today we're going to be looking at the people of God. The, the people of the presence of the Lord, and what I mean by that is specifically the priests who are talked about here in Exodus, because in this in this chapter we're going to see about the clothing that the priests were supposed to wear, um, how the priests were supposed to be you know set up into office, and um, I, I don't know that we're going to go too much into who is going to be priest, but I'll just tell you it's Aaron and his family. You know it has to be from those who are from the tribe of uh, of Levi, um, which I don't know that I even have a, a passage that really specifically. Uh, draws that out. But we're going to look at how you set that up because that was an important part. Now, to us as Christians, we can sometimes miss these things because, you know, to us it's Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. He's the one who provided our sacrifice. He's also the one who's talked about in in the book of Hebrews as being our high priest. Uh, Now, we are all considered a royal priesthood. Uh, But if you remember, one of the things that we've seen even from the book of Exodus is that's what God wanted for all of the people of God um but they wouldn't all do that so then he set up the whole priesthood and he worked through the the levites and and everything like that um but you know for for us sometimes we kind of miss the importance of what it means to be able to enter into the presence of God and because of that i want to start with a new testament passage in hebrews chapter 10 now this is of course speaking about how we in the new testament can approach God it's going to be a little different for the israelites though you know for the hebrews Um, them approaching God was was different. They had to go through all of these things that we're gonna be reading about and then even more that we're not gonna cover in this video. But Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22, this is what we can celebrate being Christians. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the fresh and living way that he inaugurated for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and the assurance that faith brings because we have had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I love this passage. I love, I love so many passages from the book of Hebrews because, I mean, to me, the book of Hebrews has really kind of brought out why we should study the Old Testament and really kind of the importance of these things because, you know, you know, from our study, that several of these passages that he's referencing here in Hebrews 10, you recognize those from the book of Exodus and other places. They all go back to what we're reading about here. Different elements of the tabernacle and later the temple, and also different elements of the priesthood, the priesthood that we read about here in the book of Exodus. So now let's dive in and let's look at these people that God uses. And I think that's so important that we recognize that God is going to work among people and what he does and how he does that. So so let's kind of look at that, uh, the human element of the worship of God. Now, for starters, in Exodus chapter 28, we begin by looking at the the clothing that the priests are going to wear. Now, we're also going to look at the clothing of the high priest, which is going to be different than the, the regular priest. But all of the priests, their clothing had to be very specific. Now, this clothing was holy it's holy garments is what it's described here and the whole purpose of that is this is what they wore whenever they entered into the presence of God it was very specific you know to us we just kind of take it for granted we can just you know come into the throne room of God and we can just pray to him all the time and we we don't have to worry about bringing a sacrifice and all these offerings and everything it's already been done for us through Jesus Christ that's why I started with Hebrews 10 but now let's back up and let's find out the the richness of this and the richness of this great blessing that we have. Exodus 28 verses 1 through 5. And you bring near to you, your brother Aaron and his sons with him from among the Israelites, so that they may minister as my priest, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. You must make holy garments for your brother Aaron, for glory and for beauty. You are to speak to all who are who are specially skilled, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, so that they may make Aaron's garments to set him apart to minister as my priest. Now these are the garments that they are to make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a fitted tunic, a turban, and a sash. They are to make holy garments for your brother Aaron and for his sons, that they may minister as my priest. The artisans are to use gold, blue, purple, scarlet, and fine linen. Okay, so let's Let's notice a few things from this passage right here. Uh, One of them that I want to bring out is found in verse two. It says that the last phrase that's mentioned there about these garments, these holy garments, is the fact that they're for glory and they are for beauty. It's just kind of interesting that God actually cares about this beauty. But then again, doesn't that make sense? I mean, look at the world around us. Don't we see so many beautiful things? It's obvious that our creator creates beautiful things and he cares about these garments. These garments are going to be for beauty, but then they're also for glory. They're holy garments. They're very special. And then another thing that we're going to kind of continue to, to notice in these chapters is found in uh, verse, uh, verse three, I believe is what it is. Um, yes, because he talks about all who are specifically skilled, the ones that he has filled with this uh, the spirit of wisdom. Now, we're going to notice what, what God does with his spirit, because sometimes we don't always think about it like this, but here in verse three, I mean, it obviously tells us that God's spirit filled these workers and gave them these artistic abilities. Now, I don't want to get too much ahead of myself, but I just want us to recognize that the Holy Spirit, he not only sets up people into positions like what we might think of today, like, you know, of course, the Holy Spirit is behind those who are going to be missionaries, okay? You know, we think about that and we like, oh yeah, of course. Then we also might think, Okay, well, obviously the Holy Spirit is going to, uh, you know, empower and and be within and work within preachers. You know, that's also just kind of another thing that we think of. But here we see that the Holy Spirit does a whole lot more than just be among those types of people, so to speak. He's among us all in many different ways. He's among these people in their artistic abilities. So if perhaps you yourself are a little bit more of an artistic person, you know, maybe it is the Holy Spirit who has given you such talent, and how would you choose to use it? These people were being called to use their talents to bring glory and beauty to the work of God. What about us? Can't we do the same thing with our own gifts and our own abilities that the Holy Spirit has given us? Anyways, I don't want to go too much into that because we're going to kind of jump back into that topic a little bit later in the upcoming chapters. But let's continue to look at some of this clothing uh, that they are describing here in this chapter. I mean, we see it laid out here in verse, verse 4 that this clothing of the priest, it includes a breast a breast piece, an ephod, a robe, a fitted tunic, a turban, and a sash. It's kind of an interesting thing, a little different than what we're used to, different garments. Well, these were probably a little different garments than what they were used to as well, because these are holy garments, there was no doubt whenever you entered into the tabernacle or whenever you entered into the, the area of the, the, uh, the temple or tabernacle, you knew who were the priests and who were the regular people. You knew who was the high priest because even his clothing was gonna be a little different. So let's look at some of these, these details about this clothing and let's see this glory and the beauty of this these garments here. In Exodus 28 verses nine through 11, This is specifically talking about the clothing of the high priest. And this is some of what I would consider, at least, some of the important um, parts of that clothing. Um, Kind of interesting things, parts that we can definitely understand. And I think that that so much of the clothing that the priest and the high priest were given, it had symbolic uh, reason behind it. Well, right here, we specifically see the symbolism that's being described. So in verses 9 through 11, we read this. You are to take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. Six of the names, uh, six of their names on one stone, and the six remaining names on the second stone, according to the order of their birth. You are to engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel with the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a seal. You are to have them set in fine filigree settings. So, in this passage right here. What we see is that these stones—it's kind of very specific. It's, it's a very artistic description about how these stones are supposed to be made. And these are two onyx stones, with which, if I'm not mistaken, onyx would be black stone. So you have kind of these these uh, kind of black shoulder pieces, so to speak. Uh, um, here, these are supposed to to, uh, to to signify the names of the the Israelites. So it's all of the names of the twelve tribes. So. Now we see that these two stones, these have a significance with the tribes of Israel. But there's a lot more symbolism also uh, in the, the, the descriptions that we read here. In verses 15 through 17, we read this. You are to make a breastpiece piece for use in making decisions. You are to make it in the same fashion as the ephod. You are to set in it, uh, setting for stones, four rows of stones. And then those four rows, uh, rows of stones uh, if you will continue reading past verse 17, you'll find out about the color of each one of those stones, really what type of stones that are supposed to be. It would be a very colorful breast, uh, breast piece here, this, this ephod, that they are supposed to be wearing. And this was for the high priest. And, of course, you probably have already picked this up. But the reason for the number of that, the four rows of the stones uh, and everything, is because it's for the 12 tribes of Israel again in verses Uh, Actually, I'm sorry, just verse 21. It says the stones are to be for the names of the sons of Israel, 12 according to the number of their names, each name according to the 12 tribes to be like the engravings of the seal. So you see from this passage that among this clothing that the the priest is supposed to be wearing, it's, it's covered with the names of Israel. He is bringing, he is a representative. The high priest is supposed to be a representative of the entire community. So whenever he does something, it's on behalf of the entire community. Isn't that a wonderful thing to carry over into Jesus? I mean, even that first passage that we started with here in uh, from Hebrews talks about how Jesus is our high priest. He is our high priest. And yeah, he might not have the, the physical images that, that bear the names of Israel and bear your name or my name. But in a way, he does. Because he is our high priest, He, whenever he did things, he acted on our behalf as, as well. It's a beautiful image to be described and I think that we see this pointed here even in the clothing of the high priest there's a little bit more verse 29 of the same chapter continues this this thought and tells us a little bit more and says that Aaron will bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of decision over his heart when he goes into the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually so like I said what the high priest does it's supposed to be kind of for the whole community it's all of the 12 tribes go in With the high priest remember the high priest would enter in to the the holy place um the most holy place he enters that once a year on the day of atonement to atone for all of the sins of israel he is bringing the 12 tribes and their representatives he's bringing them all before the lord whenever he acts it's wonderful uh, to to describe uh these things and have this description and let me also kind of uh, share this about the descriptions that we see uh one thing that we see is there's a reason why so much detail is, is put here. And so many chapters are, are put into uh, the back part of, of Exodus. You know, the last half of Exodus is all about these descriptions. About the clothing of the priest. Also about the, the tabernacle and everything. This was important to the Israelites. And I think that we see that based on how much space is used. You know, for us, we might be a little um, tired of reading all these specific details. Well, you would love all of those details if you were having to make it yourself. They were having to make it themselves, so they loved those those types of details, so that they were making sure that they were making everything and doing everything according to the pattern that God gave them. Also, part of the clothing of the high priest in verses 34 through 38. Now we get a little bit more of an image that you can start to to imagine what some of the the rest of the clothing would look like. And I do want to to uh, point out here that you see images both in the tabernacle, but you also see images. Used uh, with the clothing of the priest and the high priest, that that go back to our Creator's creation, in the sense of here you're going to see this stuff about pomegranates, uh, and then also even like with the lamp, uh, when you look at the lampstand of the tabernacle, um, that's continuously talked about as being branches. You know, the different arms of the lampstand are described uh, as being branches and it looking like a tree. So you know, all of this is going back to kind of how it was in the garden you know, with the, with the Garden of Eden and how it was whenever um, humans had complete and full access to God. Well, this is kind of a, a remnant of that. It's a reminder to show us that, you know, we will one day be able to be in the presence of God again. And, and there's one day going to be kind of a, a whole uh, garden-like um, atmosphere that we can be in uh, with God whenever we enter into the new heavens, the new earth, whenever all things are made new. But for the time being, and at least for the Israelites, the garments and the tabernacle was to be a reminder of that, that future hope. And it's also a reminder of, of what God originally established. It can be the same thing for us today. And we can recognize these things and, and understand them. So verses 34 through 38. Sorry, I kind of uh, chased that rabbit a little bit. Let's go back to this text here. Um, this is talking about uh, still the clothing and kind of the robes and, and so also the hem of the uh, the robes here. The pattern is to be a gold bell and a pomegranate, a gold bell and a pomegranate all around the hem of the robe. The robe is to be on Aaron as he ministers, and his sound will be heard when he enters the holy place before the Lord and when he leaves so that he does not die. You are to make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it the way a seal is engraved. Holiness to the Lord. You are to attach it to a blue cord so that it will be on the turban it is to be in the front of the turban and it will be on aaron's forehead and aaron will bear the iniquity of the holy things, which the israelites are to sanctify by all their holy gifts it will always be on his forehead for their acceptance before the lord so now here in this passage you know we we see this this statement notice that it says that uh, what's to be engraved on this uh you know we see that the garden images of course Uh, And then also you notice that it's a bell. So not only would you see the high priest, but whenever you walked around, you would hear him. just kind of an interesting um, thing to to think about what that would look like. Um, Yeah, we were kind of not used to to hearing things like that in our in our worship services. But that was part of their worship. That was part of the the high priest and and his garments here. Now, also uh, part of the garments was this statement in verse 36. Holiness to the Lord, you know, everything about what they do right here is to remind them that they are holy, that that they are doing the holy work of God. We also see this about um, Aaron's forehead, that this being on Aaron's forehead. You see that several times in the Old Testament about different things are supposed to be bound to the forehead or here in this case, it's literally something is going to be in front of his forehead here. So, you know, all of this is to to remind us and to remind them that all of this is holy. We are supposed to have our minds and our hearts and everything, our whole being uh, focused on God and, and always um, be the, well, be holy. You know, recognize that we are different because we are following God, just like the Hebrews uh, were. So yeah, this to us as Christians, it still has meaning. And I, I hope that we can read it and that we can recognize some of these meanings uh, together. Now, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 29, what we start to see here is whenever the priests are going to be consecrated. This is whenever they are established as priests. And this is what it looks like. Verses four through nine of this ceremony here. You are to present Aaron and his sons at the entrance of the tent of meeting. You are to wash them with water and take the garments and clothe Aaron with the tunic, the robe of the ephod, the, ephod, the breast piece. You are to fasten the ephod on him by using the skillful skillfully woven waistband. You are to put the turban on his head and put the holy diadem on the turban. You are to take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. You are to present his sons and clothe them with tunics and wrap the sashes around Aaron and his sons and put headbands on them. And so the ministry of priesthood will belong to them by the perpetual ordinance. Thus you are to consecrate Aaron and his sons. Okay, so here, this is, this is what they're supposed to do. You know, it's a lot of things that are a little uh, uncommon to us. You know, the, the fact of, that they were actually like dressing these, these priests and the high priest here and they were putting all these clothes on them. This was to remind them all of the purpose that they serve. They are to minister before the Lord on behalf of Israel. We also see that in verse 7, their heads would be uh, anointed with oil. And we see that connected. And, and I think that's so important to, to recognize this, that are you aware that the name uh, Jesus Christ, uh, Christ is actually not his last name. It means the Messiah, which also means the anointed one. Now, who was anointed? Well, priests obviously were anointed with oil. But you know, another uh, group of people uh, were also anointed, and that was kings. And it's amazing that in Jesus, what we actually see in Jesus being the Christ, he is the Christ, he is the Messiah, He is the anointed one, and he is both our priest, but he's also our king. A lot of symbolism, but, you know, all of this is part of who Jesus was and and the purpose of what Jesus did, because, yes, he is our priest in the sense of what he did was on our behalf. He he came before God and he did what we were not uh, able to do, but he did that on our behalf. And now he has been enthroned on high and he is our king. He is the king of kings. Jesus Christ has been anointed, both as priest and as king. And we see images about this being talked about all the way back in the book of Exodus. Now, connected with these garments of the priests and everything, uh, there are a few commands in these chapters that talk about what they were supposed to do. Like here in this case, we read about the daily sacrifices. Now, I mean, that's kind of maybe amazing to us because sometimes we might think, okay, they gave maybe an offering every year, um, maybe every month. No, actually they did it every single day. And this was the offering that they were supposed to give every single day, which by the way, uh, I'm not gonna comment a whole lot on this, but I do want to just read it because I want us to see what that offering would include. And I also want us to recognize how great we have it through Jesus Christ, because Jesus was offered once for all time. He doesn't have to continue to offer himself, and we don't have to continue to offer things. Jesus Christ offered himself once for all. But going back in the to the Hebrews, This is their offering. Exodus chapter 29, verses 38 through 46. Now this is what you are to prepare on the altar every day continually. Two lambs a year old. The first lamb you are to prepare in the morning and the second lamb you are to prepare around sundown. With the first lamb, offer a tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with a fourth of hen of oil from pressed olives and a fourth of a hen of wine as a drink offering. The second lamb you are to offer around sundown. You are to prepare it for uh, you are to prepare it for it the same meal offering as in the morning and the same drink offering for a soothing aroma an offering made by fire to the Lord. This will be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. There I will meet you with the Israelites, and it will be set apart as holy by my glory. So I will set apart as holy the tent of the meeting and the altar and I will set apart as holy Aaron and his sons that they may minister as priests to me. I will reside among the Israelites and I will be their God and they will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I may reside among them. I am the Lord their God. Every single day this was their sacrifice. Now, in addition to this, they also had other sacrifices that they were supposed to do throughout the year. So it's not just this daily offering, but also even more than that. Isn't it amazing what we have in Jesus Christ and what he offered us by offering himself? And you know, we don't have to have this daily sacrifice to remind us that the Lord is in our midst. Jesus Christ already did this. The Lord is in our midst. Now, in Exodus chapter 30, we also see that in addition to those sacrifices, uh, they also had incense that they were supposed to offer. Um, now this was something that was always supposed to be done uh, before the Lord, and it, it was something that they just regularly did every single day. Now in Exodus chapter thirty verses seven through ten, this is what we read. Aaron is to burn sweet incense on it morning by morning. When he attends to the lamps, he is to burn incense. When Aaron sets up the lamps around the sun around sundown, he is to burn incense on it. It is to be a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You must not offer strange incense on it, nor burnt offering, nor meal offering, and you must not pour out a drink offering on it. Aaron is to make atonement on its horns once in the year with some of the blood of the sin offering for atonement. Once in the year he is to make atonement on it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Now, all that it kind of describes about it is, talking about this altar of incense that's one of the things that they were supposed to make and put in the in the tabernacle was this altar of incense now the altar of incense it was very specific what they were supposed to burn on it It was a special type of incense that god gave them um, exactly the the recipe for that and he actually gives that to them here in this chapter uh, but this is the 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 incense that they were supposed to um, to have and that they were supposed to mix uh, it up uh, together and all and also Um, I don't know exactly why, but I wanted to go ahead and draw your attention to this too. That in verse 9, it says that you must not offer strange incense on it. You know, it's kind of interesting that that we recognize this story about Nadab and Abihu uh, later on. The sons of Aaron, that uh, they offered strange fire, if you remember. You know, they did things contrary to what they were supposed to do. See, it was very specific. God told them from the very beginning exactly what they were supposed to do. And here in this case, they were not supposed to offer strange incense on it. They weren't supposed to offer any of this other stuff on it. It was just for incense. And it was just for the incense that God told them about. So this just kind of goes into it and shows us another layer of this, this holiness that God desires uh, for these things to be in his midst. Now, I said I was going to get here. So here in verse thirty, uh, chapter 31, I don't know why I keep saying verse something. But uh, here in chapter 31, what we read about is going back to the Holy Spirit and back to who the Holy Spirit fills. Obviously, it makes sense for us when we recognize that, yeah, okay, we, we can understand that, you know, that the Holy Spirit would maybe uh, fill, um, you know, missionaries or maybe preachers, and we might kind of think, oh, well, you know, the, the, those groups of people, they're, they're something special. But what I wanna share with you is, is the fact that, you know, yeah, they might be special in, in some of the roles that they play, but I mean, you know, you're special too. I mean, we each one of us, we are special because we all have a role to fill within the church. And here in this passage, we go back to this idea of what we, what we saw even from the very beginning. I, I guess we started off kind of with this thought, and now we're going to kind of end with this thought that God has always been concerned with the people in his midst and the holiness that surrounds him and his people and that needs to surround him and his people. So here in this passage, uh, what we read about um, is... That he fills with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, or the Holy Spirit as we call him today. He fills these people. But, I mean, these aren't even the priests. These are people who are artists. And they're not artists in the sense of they're, they're painting things. Not that type of artist. They are artists in the sense of they are crafting things. They, they are making things. So, you know, perhaps you can make things with your hands. You know, perhaps it's the Holy Spirit who has filled you and given you that gift. Uh, he most certainly did here in this passage uh, for this purpose. Let, so let's, let's read that. Um, Exodus chapter 31, verses one through 11. The Lord spoke to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in skill, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship. To make artisan designs for work with gold, with silver, and with bronze, and with cutting and setting stone, and with cutting wood, to work in all kinds of craftsmanship. Moreover, I, al- I have also given him Oholium, son of Ahismuch. Sorry, struggle with that one, um, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given ability to all the specially skilled, that I may make everything I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the atonement lid that is on it, all the furnishings of the tent, the table with its utensils, the pure lampstand with all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar for the burnt offering with all its utensils, the large basin with its base, the woven garments, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to minister as priest, the anointing oil, the sweet incense for the holy place. They will make all these things just as I have commanded you. So you look at these this passage. Now, we don't really talk too much about these people. The Bezalel and the uh, Aholiab. I guess that's how you pronounce his name. See, that's also another thing. We don't even say these guys' names enough that we hardly really even know how to pronounce them. We, we just, I don't know, there's probably different ways to pronounce them. But these aren't guys that we usually look at and think about. But these are the guys who were set up with with they were filled with the Holy Spirit and given all of these things. So how are they filled with the Holy Spirit? Verse three tells us that they were filled in skill and understanding and knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship. Does that sound like the type of being filled with the Holy Spirit that we normally think about? I mean, that doesn't sound like the type of of being filled with the Holy Spirit that I usually think about. But yet it is. You know, we need to expand our idea. Of what we think it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. Because here in this passage, the Spirit of God fills people to do things that aren't as much of what we would kind of consider holy work, if there is such a thing. But we as Christians need to understand something that the work that we do is considered holy work, not because of so much of what exactly we're doing, but why are we doing it? Are we doing our work for the Lord? If we're doing our work for the Lord, then it is holy work. Whatever you might be doing, it it doesn't really matter. The Holy Spirit can be behind all types of different works. So perhaps if you haven't been gifted with the different types of of gifts of the Holy Spirit that are kind of out front and and everybody notices and recognizes, maybe you need to look at your own skills and to see, has the Holy Spirit blessed you and gifted you in some other way? If he has, which I know that he has because he's gifts us all with things. Find a way to use those to bring glory and honor and praise to our God. That's what these men were called to do. That's what we as Christians are called to do. So in this video, we've seen that God is not only concerned about the place in which his presence is, but he's also concerned about these people. He fills the right people at the right time so that they will fulfill what he has asked of them so that worship can happen. God does the same type of thing even for us today. Next week, we'll pick up back up in our study. Thank you.